Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. I'm Dr. Heidi with my mom, Dr. Gloria, and our topic is remembering our parents. And our second guest today is British journalist Gemini Adams. Gemini Adams lost her mother to cancer at an early age. After her mother's death, Gemini remembers wishing she had a way to reconnect with her mother's love. As a result of her mother's death and her desire to encourage others to leave a legacy, she has written the book, Your Legacy of Love, Realize the Gift in Goodbye. Welcome to the show, Gemini, and welcome back, Gloria. Thanks. Hi, Gemini. Hello. Hello. It's great to have you on. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, so you're in the United States now? I am, yes. I mean, I'm uh, in Los Angeles, actually, and uh, mostly over here these days. Uh-huh. So you're staying over here permanently or just? Um, I, I, I came over to do uh, more research around around the concept that I present in the book and um, sort of enjoyed the weather quite a lot down here in California. <laughs> and uh, I, I do go back and forth. I'm actually going back um, to England very soon. Um, the Royal Mail, they were doing some research around the concept in the book um, through a national poll. So I'll be going back to England to do some work on that. But um, I'm, I'm pretty much based here these days. Right. Well, Gemini, um, tell me a little bit. I, I know we've talked before and I've met you, but I never ask you what age were you when your mother died? I was actually 21, um, oh. but she was um, diagnosed with uh, cancer of the lung and the liver when I was 17. Wow. So we had um, a good few years of um, anticipatory grief and struggling through um, what I really refer to as limbo land, living in that state when you just have no idea when it might happen and, uh, you know, just sort of fighting through as a family, trying to cope. Uh-huh. That's, that's very stressful. I had a, my father-in-law died of cancer, and that stress of not knowing when is like a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for me as a teenager, I think, because, um, you know, when she was diagnosed, I was in my final year of school. Uh-huh. And everybody else was sort of, you know, branching out into their independent adult lives. And I felt this overwhelming sense of responsibility to my mother. My parents were divorced, so there wasn't really anybody else. Um, And I I was very much sort of acting as as part carer. And so everybody else was sort of, you know, branching out, and I felt like I was having to do the opposite and and really be there for mum and sort of put my dreams aside um, for a period of time, but not knowing how long. Now, you wrote another book before the one, uh, the the recent book, right? Your Legacy of Love? Mm Mm-hmm, I did. And yeah. what was your other book on? It was actually it also aimed at parents, really. It was um, a nutritional guide aimed at um, helping parents to develop healthy eating patterns in their children. And um, you just mentioned that my sort of, you know, journalistic work was, was really mostly freelance writing, actually, for various health magazines in the UK. And I was doing that alongside training to become a grief counselor with Cruise and, and really... Um, going out and doing really thorough research into the grief and bereavement world to make sure that my ideas that I present in the book weren't just, you know, crazy thoughts I'd had and only related to me, that they actually did apply to the, to the wider population. Um, so Now, when you did the nutrition thing, do you think that was related to your mother also or no? Mm, 
because I'm Maybe. thinking that somebody who's ill, you know, you do have to think about that whole thing. Yeah, and, and actually my mother having cancer was a real eye-opener for me um, in the sense that it made me very conscious of my own health. Um, I really, she wasn't, I mean, I know lots of people these days, if they are diagnosed with something like that, try lots of sort of alternative treatments and therapies. Um, my mother was not one of them. Um, she was a very open-minded BBC radio journalist. Um, but really when it came to those things, she was quite traditional. She was, she didn't drink lots of water. We ate well as a family, but we didn't eat, you know, sort of macrobiotic diets or, you know, take tons of supplements. And she didn't really exercise too much. Um, she was, you know, sort of running around for her work. Um, so, yes, it did make me very health conscious of, of those things, nutrition included. And I think also, more importantly, cooking was something I loved to do with my mother. Ah. And it was it was a real bond that we'd had from when I was a tiny little girl you know I have very vivid memories of being in the kitchen with her sort of attached to her apron strings as she was making a sort of chocolate cake and I was desperately trying to get my fingers in the mixing bowl and, and eat half of it um and so in in some way I think writing that book was also about me wanting to connect with her and really feel the sense and connect to those memories of having those wonderful experiences with her so you kind of followed in her footsteps as a, a journalist right Yes, to some degree, not not qu- not quite to the same extent. Um, she was also an author. She wrote a, a book about bullying in the workplace. Um, so yes, I am very much following in her in her path. Mm-hmm. So tell us about and now you finished the the nutrition book and tell us about deciding to write your legacy of love. What what made you decide to do that? Um, it started. Um, the idea started really almost um, within the first two years after Mum died, which was is now 13 years ago, um, when I came to some realizations that, you know, we'd gone through this this process of, as a family, sort of not knowing what was going to happen, obviously being in a state of of anticipatory grief. And even after mum died, you know, the, the only sort of support we got was somebody thrust a leaflet in my hand for a bereavement support group. And that was really it. And as I was reflecting on this, you know, within the first couple of years, I, I was just thinking, you know, it was insane that we didn't get more guidance as a family. Mum went through hospice as to how to prepare for this incredible event. Um, and realizing that there was a real lack of support going on, certainly in the UK, around preparing people for loss. Mm-hmm. And, in the, you know, the, the guidance that mum got was literally write a will and that's it. Um, but I quickly deci- discovered after she died that really inheriting her, you know, her house, her car, and, and a small amount of cash was doing nothing to help with my pain and the sense of loss that I had around the fact that I had lost my mother's love, which was without doubt the most important thing in my life. Um, and it was those realizations which preceded the ideas of, gosh, you know, if mum had done these six things, that would have helped me so much, certainly during the early stages of grief and, and even in the you know, more recent events that I've had in my life in the last sort of four or five years. Mm-hmm. And what are you thinking the most recent event? At, when we come back from break, and we're not going to go over just a minute, I want to get to the six things. So mm-hmm. we'll get back to that. But mm-hmm. but what things have have happened to you now? that mm-hmm. I'm sure you would love to have her know that you'd written this book. I would absolutely. I'm sure she does know on some level. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I explain in the book that I believe that when you you have been bereaved, you go through what I call the firsts. And the firsts are any event, any major significant event that happens after you've lost that person, um, where 
typically that person would have been there and, and having their presence would have made that event more joyous. It would have been the norm to have them around. So birthdays, Christmases, weddings, the birth of a child, um, and also the, the stressful times like taking exams or you know applying for a first job or having to make major life decisions. Mm-hmm. And those things don't always happen in the first year. Mm-hmm. They are just firsts by the nature of the first time they come around. And so just for me, certainly, I mean, initially there were things like when I graduated from university, which was three years after mum died, but that was a major event for me. And um, not having her there was very difficult. Um, the time that I got pregnant and had to have an abortion and my mother would have been the first person that I would have turned to during that time mm-hmm. and you know she wasn't there and I guess more recently just major moves like actually moving to the states and, and not having you know my mom there at the end of the phone to phone up when I'm having one of those days where I think I was obviously mad and what on earth was I doing <laughs> and she would have been the person that I would have turned to Right. Well, uh, you're making a good point. Our moms are our sounding boards and sometimes mm-hmm. they're the first go-to people in our lives Mm-hmm. And when we don't have them, it's it just must be a huge void in your life. As a as a, and even as a woman, not to have your mom, and as a girl, mm-hmm. not to have your mom. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I reiterate in the book too. Just you know, even years later, it's still painful when other other girlfriends sort of say, "Oh, I'm going away on a really cool trip with my mom this weekend." You know, we're going off to lie by the beach somewhere, and we're going shopping and do all of those sorts of things, and. You know, just it's just a reminder that you're never again going to be able to do that. And, and that relationship is so unique. It's so special. You know, I was thinking about my own mother who, you know, would be very, I mean, she, she wouldn't have lived beyond now. But what I, what's interesting to me is she was my historian, too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I could call her up and say, what about this? What about, you know, family or, you know, and, and historical events, you know, she knew them. So, so those older generations, even from that point of view, uh, it's it's uh, difficult. You know, and that, and that was a part of your history. Because, and she also knew things about you as a child that other people don't know. Yeah, and that's one of my, my great regrets, really. Um, and it is one of the concepts I talk about in the book, the idea of capturing your life story and how important that is, for, especially for, for younger children, just being able to share religions, religious traditions, you know, family traditions, your voice, your ancestry, and it just provides context too. Like you said, you know, there are things I will never know now about, you know, what, how I behaved as a child, especially because my parents were divorced, and actually my father wasn't around for after the age of eight. So there really isn't anybody else to to share the, that information. It's it's gone. Now, now, what do you wish? What do you suggest in the book that people do as far as capturing their life story goes? Well. I, I'm, I'll touch on the six, six steps sure, of life story on is, is one of them. Um, it's really about realizing the gift in goodbye, and it's something that we can do when we are perfectly fit and healthy. It's not something that we have to leave until the end when, you know, we're either very elderly or we, we've possibly been diagnosed with a terminal illness or worse, an accident happens. And the reason why I think people should be really exploring this when they're fine and in good health is because... If you leave it to the end, there's the chances that, you know, emotions will be running very high. You might be ill. It might be impossible for you to communicate as clearly as you would want to have done. And there is an opportunity here for us to capture what I call our emotional assets, such as our our voice, our image, our stories, the guidance that we have, the lessons that we've learned throughout our lifetime, um, and share these through our legacy of love. 
so that we can provide this continuing bond for our family members so that they don't find themselves in a situation like me where they don't have access to their life history, but the history of themselves and their mother and their, you know, their mother's mother or whoever. Um, but also they have something that's a really solid reminder of how much you love that person, um, whether it's a child or a husband or a wife. Mm, yeah, wonderful memories. The website is realizethegift.com. Great. And I wanted to say something about your website, Gemini. I love, you've got some great YouTubes on there that you've done. One is the interview mm-hmm. that, people can, that people can watch, and then one is actually an interview with somebody that's dying. But um, th- those are wonderful video clips for people that are interested in Gemini's work. Yeah, there's also a huge section on on the website for resources, um, probably listing somewhere in the region of about two, 300 websites, books, and movies that you can watch to help you understand the concepts that are being presented in the book. They cover everything from grief and bereavement to understanding how to sort of prepare for the D word um, to where to go to get ideas for future surprises. So there's tons of information there. That's great. So, Gemini, let's talk a little bit more about some of the things uh, that you recommend to people. Well, I've got sort of six steps presented in the book, really, um, which is the way to go about realizing the gift and goodbye. And the fact that we all um, have so much wisdom within us that we can share. I talk about the idea of, of creating good guidance. So creating something like a mummy or a daddy manual for your children, even if they're adult children, just to share with them um, life instructions, the lessons that you've gained during your lifetime, the values that you've, you've learned to appreciate, and how passing those on could help your children to make good life choices as they continue to grow. And even if they're adult, adults, there's always areas within our life that we can improve on. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, they may not come to you asking for that information, but when you're no longer here, I can guarantee you they're going to want help in, in a whole host of areas, especially around um, grief and, and loss. Um, so one of the other ideas in that section is actually identifying someone who could be a mentor um, should something happen to you who's probably already experienced a loss so that they have a deep understanding of, of what your family members will go through. So rather than leaving it to chance, um, it's almost like, you know, identifying godparents, somebody who would, who would really take on that role in your absence. I think that's a great idea because we sometimes tell people after they've had a loss to find uh, a friend or relative to help with a child because uh-huh. uh, when they're too devastated to deal with it, you know, have somebody that you identify. So I think that that's very interesting to do it now. And, you know, I think like you, uh, some of our audience out there that's newly bereaved, uh, could find some comfort in doing this, in getting your Absolutely. book, reading it, and writing these things up, things that they wish they'd been left. Wonderful. Yeah, I think it really, the people, the clients I've worked with who have done this, I've found um, really gives them a deep sense of peace of mind, knowing that they've taken care of their stuff. And it doesn't matter, you know, if you're, you believe that nothing's going to happen to you for the next 20, 30, 40 years. The fact that you've dealt with this and really taken a proactive approach to what would happen if I, you know, if something happened to me and what's going to happen to my family members, um, you know you're going to be able to leave a lasting impression. You know that you're going to actually reduce a lot of unnecessary stress on them when that time comes if you've taken the responsibility to take care of your family before the event. Mm-hmm. And what other advice do you have? I know you've got some great things in your book and thoughts about continuing bonds. I know you talk about that. Yeah, I kind of call them future surprises, really. Um, So I mentioned a little bit earlier the idea of these firsts, you know, days that are often significant um, landmarks in time. So 
birthdays, weddings, bar mitzvahs, um, any sort of graduation or celebratory event, those days will be are always extremely tough on the bereaved, um, as I know from personal experience. So I talk about the idea of creating something that would be given as a gift in the future when you're no longer here. Um, I was just recently working with a gentleman who has um, MS. He has two young daughters, and he's recorded um, video speeches for his daughter's wedding days so that we're knowing he's not going to be there for those. And it's really given with the invitation that here is something for you to open that will remind you how much I loved you, how proud I am of you, how I've you know always and will continue to believe in you and that I'm always here no matter what, even if I'm not you know present in front of you. So just capturing really wonderful, loving words and sentiments that can be accessed over and over again by your loved ones when you're not here. And I've just seen that be so powerful and so healing for so many people um, over and over again. Um, and they can be tailored to the individual um, and, and made to be really special. Mm-hmm. I know. Do you, I do you remember Mitch Carmen? They saved his uh, sister's purse for his her daughter. Yes, mm-hmm. I think his twin sister's purse, and then gave it to to her own daughter when she was sixteen. Years that's after it. she was killed in an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lovely idea. I mean, I you know. But, Physical objects of emotional value, creating uh, videos, um, music, diaries, how-to guides, all of those sorts of things can be really wonderful gifts. Well, and I'm thinking, Gemini, if the person is already dead and we haven't done that, Mm -hmm. um, even getting together everybody that knew that person and sharing stories. Sometimes these are stories you've never heard about that person, and that can be a real gift to give somebody. Absolutely agree, yes. It's really important. When when I got through my sort of... um, (laughs) Uh, rather, rather ineffective grief counselling that I had, which which really um, promoted the idea that I should, you know, get over mom. I should remove pictures of her. I should really sort of take her out of my life because she wasn't here anymore. Uh, thankfully, when I came across the work on continuing bonds and and started to do my own research, I realised that this was crazy. I wanted a relationship with my mother. You know, I wanted to be able to remember her, um, but I'd spent sort of seven or eight years trying to do the exact opposite. So once I learned that it was okay to have this ongoing bond and ongoing relationship with my mother, I did do that. I sort of actually went around and started talking to people and, and really trying to find out as much as I could about mom, you know, finding all the photographs, pulling together her, her um, radio interviews that she'd done as a journalist, all sorts of things. Not only for me, but also so that one day when I have children, I can pass those things on to what would have been her grandchildren, and they will have a relationship with their, their grandchildren mother through those through those wonderful things well and as you're pointing out death ends a life it doesn't end a relationship no not at all um it's and and that's really the whole concept behind this book which is about here's a way to create an ongoing relationship with your loved ones when you're not here but it's it's sort of you taking responsibility for that uh, and being able to carry on parenting them by proxy to be able to carry on uh, sharing your emotional support for them and even motivating them, actually, there's a section in the book called Musical Memories and the idea that we can leave behind sort of compilations of, of songs that would be gifted to our, our children or our loved one um, as a future surprise. I love that and because, you know, like if you were in the rock and roll era or whatever, the Absolutely, rap. absolutely. But let's yes, just say you, you were leaving behind a teenage daughter, you, you have cancer or, or some terminal illness. 
And you know that, you know, as a teenage girl, she's probably suffering from, at some point, is going to suffer from issues of sort of, you know, being very body conscious or concerned. So if you took Joe Cocker's song, You Are Beautiful, just that one song, and left it for your daughter on a CD and just with a little note that said, you know, whenever you're feeling a bit blue or not sure of yourself, I just want you to listen to this song and really hear the lyrics, you know, with love from mum. Mm-hmm. And that now, was left Gemini, I, I had a question for you because I know that you said that your mother was really your whole life. Your your father wasn't in your life, so it was you and your mom. I've had pe- people say to me, you know what? The only other family member that I was that I had in my life has died, and now I feel very much alone. Mm-hmm. What would you? I mean, how have you gone on to expand your family when your family's really gone at this point? Have you it's done it friendships or? Well, my. my my father was around. He was just remarried and very busy with other, you know, his other children. And uh, so I, I really set about forming a relationship with my father and reaching out to develop that relationship. Okay. But mostly I have found, I've just found great friends and, and made sort of a family of my own through really friends rather than through blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're my grand family in a sense. Yeah, and actually my grandmother was really replaced my mother for many years, and I, I was extremely close to her, but she's also now um, joined the other angels up there. So um, they're sort of yeah, diminishing uh, <laughs> year after year. Well, Sam and I, I'm glad that we're in your friendship circle, and it's, yeah, it's been wonderful too. knowing you, and we look forward to uh, being connected with you in the future. Likewise, very much. And thank you so much for being on the show today, and good luck with your book. And I recommend thank it to you. everyone. It's a wonderful book, Your Legacy of Love, Realize the Gift of Goodbye. Thank so it's thanks, time to Gemini. close our show, and I want to thank our guest, Gemini, Gemini Adams. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.